You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Thanks, jackass outside. <laughs> You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Find more great shows like this at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Chris Spangle. You are listening to We Are Libertarians on the We Are Libertarians Network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Tons of great podcasts. And make sure you check out libertyexplained.com, our explainer on the libertarian philosophy and the movement. We are going to talk about a lot of things today, as we do every episode. We're going to start with a little uh, conversation around the state of the 2020 race. We haven't talked since uh, the, I don't think we've, we, the three of us have talked since the debates and the coronavirus and the debates getting canceled. There's just like a million things going on. We were talking off air. It's like there's, we could do a show every five hours at this point (laughs) around this race. I'm going to miss 2020. It's been so much fun. So... And then we're going to explain voter fraud. We're going to explain absentee and mail-in voting. Give you some facts around that because there's a lot of misinformation and uh, just give you a a ton. We're going to dump all kinds of info on you. So stay tuned. Warning. This show is for adults produced by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. Welcome to the program. I'm Chris Bengel, and uh, I'm always an unprofessional start. I'm, I'm trying to get my microphone, the stupid stand. It just doesn't work the way that I want it to. It's always pissing me off. <sighs> okay. Fuck it. All right. Welcome to the program. Harry Price, how are you doing? I'm going good. Um, I've got Gunther over here. She's trying to... Um to uh, get on my intro and uh, come in here and try to talk with me. It's great because uh, she wants ice cream. How Now, how old is Gunther at this point? Um, she's about three and a half because she turns four um, this coming May. Aw, that's such a cute age. Yeah, sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> at least once or twice a show you get up because you have to go uh, give the kid oatmeal or, <laughs> or look at her projects or <laughs> it's very cute. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's very more vocal now. Like, look at this, show this. And um, she's very aware of the um, my picture too. like if she, you know, because we're trying to potty train her. Right. So if she gets a dry day, she gets to go get ice cream. Mm -hmm. So dry day, ice cream. Let's go get ice cream now. I'm like, it is not even noon. (laughs) (laughs) Already trying to rig the system. Yes. Uh, Now, uh, Reinhold, how many dry days have you had lately? (laughs) Well, you know, it's 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 a case of quantity versus quality, right? Right, right. So. Uh, you may turn your mic up just a little bit. Uh, all right, we're going to jump into it. And uh, I did a little video editing before we started here. 
and uh, put together. So just, you know, all right. So we had the debates. Uh, I, we talked last week with uh, Rob Cortell about them. My opinion was, we'll start there briefly. My opinion was that Donald Trump lost that debate. Biden did not win it. Biden did not look particularly good. And Donald Trump spent $100 million calling Biden a dotard, basically, which is just a non-functional old person. And then Biden kind of showed up that way, and then Donald Trump just never got out of his way to let that shine through, said crazy stuff. Like, the easiest thing in American politics should be white supremacy is bad. I I denounce it in all forms. That didn't happen. And then if you did, if you blow that, then the next day or that night, you release a statement through your people going, you know, I, I had a problem with my ear thing and I, I just, uh, you know, I, I misunderstood the question. You know, I'm so sorry. I think all these things are bad. But then, you know, even now he's on Hannity last night Whew. and he's asked again, you know, Hannity, the thing about <laughs> the, the clips that I'll play in a moment the thing about the Bartiromo interview, the Hannity interview, the Rush interview, all of these things, they're like giving him the biggest softballs ever. You know, Hannity tees it up like, you don't like David Duke, right? Well, Antifa is terrible. You're just like, oh, dude. He, I, I have maintained forever that this guy does not want to win. He's actively trying to lose. He never wanted to win the first time. It was a well... We talked about it on the program, and so if we knew it, then it probably was true because everybody around Trump in 2016 was saying it. There uh, is a report out from the New York Times that kind of looks at the finances of the 2016 campaign, and they match what's happening now in the 2020 campaign in that they're not putting it into persuasive ads. They're putting it into building lists and fundraising lists because Donald Trump reportedly wanted to start a TV station when he lost in 2016. And he kept trying to get out of this. He, he, was, he kept saying, like, uh, he never thought he'd win, right? So the tax returns kind of confirmed this, what, what everybody was around him was saying, in, the, in that, listen, the, uh, the, the, the apprentice was coming to an end. He had bought a bunch of investments in, like, 15 golf courses. He had to kind of juice up business. Running in the primary was, you know, with one of the 16 was a way to do that. And get his name out there, you know, maybe build a, get a little list building so you can flip those emails, start a TV network with Roger Ailes, who at that point had, you know, exited Fox News for many reasons. And so, but then he just kept doing well <laughs> and he kept winning the primaries and he couldn't get out of it at a certain point. And like, and, and Pence didn't think he win. Like it, it's well documented that on election night, Mike Pence, his wife looked at him and goes, are you happy now? And like stormed out and didn't talk to him for a week. Uh, she was so mad. They won. Milani was mad. None of these people thought that he was going to get elected, including him. And then he had to be president because listen, Donald Trump's general demeanor is better as a grievance outsider, right? Like it's, you can, it's hard to like fight the swamp when you are the swamp. You're using the White House travel office, for instance, for guaranteed room nights at your properties. Like that's very swampy. Like Donald Trump is is charging. He got in trouble for charging the Secret Service like thousand dollar room nights. He stays at. There's a book called uh, The Grifters Club about Mar-a-Lago and what's happened at Mar-a-Lago over the last like five six years. 
and, and like the day he won the election, a membership at Mar-a-Lago went from a hundred thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. He he uh, he stays there like two hundred nights a year because he can then charge the Secret Service for those room nights, and he had to cut it down to like a bare bones price, but it's still tremendously expensive. You know, Mike Pence goes to Scotland uh, or Ireland. I I think it was uh, Scotland to to some summit, and instead of staying close to where the summit was, he stayed one hundred and eighty miles away at a Trump hotel, and so. You you start to get the picture through all the reporting and and through everything that Donald Trump really needs to win because it's four more years of immunity, <laughs> and, and he's you see the investigations that are taking place uh, around some of his tax stuff. You know, Bannon gets arrested on that boat. You know, the the great China is evil guy gets arrested on a Chinese billionaire's boat, and then Eric Trump is testifying three uh, three days ago. The New York Attorney General is starting to close in on all this stuff. Cyrus Vance is really putting some heat on Trump, on his, on him personally, his campaigns, his businesses, and you know, you look at things like the Trump University stuff, the the Trump Foundation. Like, there's no doubt. I mean, even your most ardent Trump supporter, I think, would look at it and go, "Yeah, he definitely works within the gray area of the rules, if not breaks all the rules and does some illegal, shady stuff." and if you operate that way, eventually you get caught. You, you, they get you. You know, it's sort of like Al Capone on tax evasion. Like, you, you can only be too careful before somebody in your organization makes a mistake. And, and there's, that, there's then, a couple different uh, fundraising people that were just indicted the last week. Yeah. Right? And, so, I mean, yeah. they're, they're, uh, they're cooperating. Brad Parscale, and I, I wish Brad Parscale all the best. You know, it is he had a, uh, basically what would, be qualified as a mental breakdown the police had to come out and prevent him from committing suicide very scary very sad uh situation and he's reportedly under indictment too so there's a lot going on that the new york times just put out a story before uh, talking about 2016 so it you know the the trump campaign currently has all the kids and their spouses and and anyone in the family on the payroll brad parscale had like a, a driver <laughs> Like, you know, it's, it's so the theory is, is that Donald Trump, my theory is, is that Donald Trump unconscious, like, I think he wants to win on a surface level, but his subconscious knows that the, he just has to get out of this because it's not going well. And he, mm -hmm. he just does the craziest stuff. It's like, maybe he is this I'm trying, I don't know why Reinhold, I try to give this guy the benefit of the doubt and try to give him some out because like he doesn't want to win because he just does the opposite of everything that makes sense. Right. You know, from the debate trampling over a, a clear ab ability to win. And then, he had two debates to make up for that. He could have had two debates where Biden comes out and looks very weak, and then he cancels it. He says, "I don't want to do it. I'm I'm not going to follow those. I don't want. It. We could do it in person, dude. You have COVID." Well, <laughs> well, the thing is, is too is everybody assumes that he's this great political genius, and I don't see the proof of it. I mean, yeah. everything I've seen shows him to be just flailing around and and incapable of really understanding what's going on around him politically. Mm -hmm. um, he's got people who have helped him along and done things for him, but I think he stumbled into all of this. Yeah, I don't really think yeah. he uh, had this great master plan or five D chess and all the other stuff. He just winged it, right? Yeah. 
just winging it, just out there winging it. I think the belief that you think something else is going on is the the idea that nah, no one's this inept. This person is out there, and these these are just conspiracy theories. And that part of your brain just try to like not wanting to believe in a conspiracy theory. Like, no, this person's got to know what they're doing. This person has to want this. And nope, nope, not at all. They don't want it. He, because you're right. I really feel that even if he does win, right? Even if he does win, he's not going to serve his full term. He's going to step down if he does win. Yeah, but that, that's not going to happen. So I don't know about that. <laughs> so guy, Ben step down. I, th- I think so. We were talking a little bit about that before. I think if he loses, mm-hmm. the next three months are going to be. Um, you, you think twenty twenty was bad? You think the last four years have been bad? I think the next three months are going to be very explosive and crazy. What's what's going on? Not if he he's loses. Gonna try and t- he's going to try and take down as many people as he can. He's going to try and get Barr to uh, arrest a bunch of people on trumped up stuff. Uh, pardon the pun. And then. I, I think at the very end, like two, three weeks before, I think he tries to step down so that he can get a pardon from Pence. Mm. Mm, maybe. I, I don't know. I think he, if he loses big, then mm-hmm. – and a lot of the poll – I know, listen, the polls, the polls, the 2016, 2016. I think a lot of conservatives are making the fatal conceded mistake that Democrats made in 2016 in assuming – the polls are going to go their way because they went their way in 2016. But I think it'd be foolish to assume that people who are professional pollsters are doing their job in the same way that they did in 2016. They got caught by not identifying that white rural Trump voter. Correct. And that, that former Obama voter now flipped to a Trump voter. And they are actively searching out uh, missing people. And so we know that white women who have no college education are trending from Biden towards Trump right now. We know that because they're actively searching out for people that, that they're not finding in their polling. Their modeling has changed. And so this is a fundamentally different race because Donald Trump is not the outsider candidate taking on the swamp. Donald Trump is the president and he has responsibilities and we're in the middle of three crises and there's a new crisis every day. And I think there is Trump fatigue syndrome setting in. I think there are a lot of people who are on the right that aren't kind of articulating it, saying, listen, we got three justices. Donald Trump had three, two mandates. Don't be Hillary Clinton and get us Supreme Court justices and replace and get us, you know, these Supreme Court uh, guys. So now you've got Coney Barrett. You've got three. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of Republicans that are just going to go. I'm tired of making the excuse for him every day. I'm, I'm exhausted by this. We've got the three. Let's move on. Because the, the reality is for all the panic over the far left, and we'll do a show on this in the future. I'm working on something. But Carter, when he got elected, was a very weak president. And he was, you know, this is the mid-70s. You're coming out of the, the, the you know, the hippie generation is starting to, to get involved in politics. And, you know, think of all the pictures of Hil- Hillary and Bill you know, working for McGovern in 69, they're starting to run for governor in Arkansas, for instance. Carter was a very weak liberal president. And the left, he never really got a ton done because he was largely paralyzed by the fights over generational power. Biden's going to run. He's going to be a lame duck president day one. And then you're going to see generational fights for power. You're going to see the squad versus Kamala versus Warren versus Cory Booker versus, 
you know, the more conservative people like uh, Joe Manchin, they're not necessarily going to be able to get a lot through. And if they do, they're going to go too far because the thing about Democrats and the left is they always go too far and do too much and think that the public is further along than they are. The fundamental flaw of the media and the, the, the typical national Democrat is that they think the public is Twitter and the public is not Twitter. If you look at the 2018 midterm elections, if you look at the election, the selection of Joe Biden, your, your average Democrat, your, your suburban voter who's willing to vote Democrat, you know, the, the, the Fishers is a very Republican area. The 5th District here is a – look up Dan Burton. That, that's his district. He was the guy who got in trouble for calling Clinton the scumbag. Like, he was a safe Republican district. That's about to probably flip to a Democratic stronghold because of Donald Trump. And that's the suburban voter who is going to vote Democrat, but is kind of independent in the middle. And that only flips because of the way that Donald Trump behaves and people are tired of making excuses and they kind of want to punish the Republicans for constantly making excuses. But they're not AOC. And if you think that everybody's AOC, you know, that's why Joe Biden doesn't want to say he's not going to pack the courts. He said previously he's not going to pack the courts. He was on the judiciary. He was head of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, he's he, he doesn't want to piss off liberal Twitter because that's the media. But that's why the media cares about this. If you say to a journalist, I'm not answering a question, you know what they do? They pick at that until you answer the question. But Biden doesn't want to risk losing all the suburban voters uh, or, or all the, the liberal leftist coastal voters. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and so he's got this delicate ban- dance. And so. The, the whole idea of you need to be terrified of the liberal and every Democrat's Antifa is just nonsense. It's propaganda designed by a president who wants to maintain power so he doesn't go to jail. And you're, you're falling for it. Like, the, the, the Biden administration will be one of inaction. Now, to be fair, so will the Trump administration. Because all that stuff that you like about the Donald Trump presidency that everybody goes, this is the most libertarian president. All that stuff happened under Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell in the first two years when kelly and mattis and all the adults were around the last two years have gotten almost no policy only really ugly stuff has has happened and every second term is always full of the b-list c team you know you you bush is down to andy card at the the end of his administration as his chief of staff who's gonna go work for this guy in a second term who would want that job so anybody who thinks that you're going – and if you think that Donald Trump's going to enact libertarian policies, go look at our show notes for Donald Trump's record on what he's promising. It's some of the most big government BS you've ever seen. And not for nothing, but when the cards were down and the pandemic was setting in, what did Donald Trump do? Donald Trump – and you heard Mike Pence take credit for it in the debate – you know, when the when when the virus hit, we acted correctly and we shut down half of the economy. Donald Trump sent this postcard to everybody. President Trump's coronavirus guidelines for America. It, this got sent. Uh, it doesn't have a date on it. But, uh, March 16th, 2020. It does have a date on it. Uh, that gave cover for all the Republican governors to shut down there. The day after this press conference is when Eric Holcomb here in Indiana shut down Indiana because they could rightly say, well, the president did it. Now, oh, well, but they didn't enact any laws, but there's something called a command climate, and and humans fall for this all the time. It's the perception of power that the presidency has. 
And so if you set a tone, people don't really read, right? People don't really research. People don't really understand what's going on. They don't really pay attention. They just heard, oh, everything's shut down. I can't go. And I, I, you know, like Whitmer in Michigan, they're fighting over her power. She really doesn't have the power. And here in Indiana, Holcomb said, well, you have to wear a mask. It's state mandated. There is zero law in Indiana that allows the governor to force you to wear a mask. He can't do it. It doesn't exist. That legal power doesn't exist. But people do it because of the command climate, the perceived authority. And so Donald Trump, if he didn't believe this, got bamboozled by people who are lower level than him. He's a weak-minded, feeble idiot for doing this. And then he pumped $12 trillion, 20% of all currency was printed in 2020 under under President Trump. He has, in the eight years of Obama, Trump in four has doubled the amount of debt added by President Obama in eight years. When the and chips he's called to take over the F, the uh, the Fed, he wants right. to wants to actually be in direct control of the Federal Reserve. Right, and so there is. There is little argument for either one of these people to be elected president. Neither of them are really going to do anything. And if you're actively arguing for one of these two candidates, it's very unlibertarian because you're not paying attention to their policies. It's just for flat out. Donald Trump is not a better libertarian candidate than Joe Biden. Like it just it's you're you're making up things when the chips were down. This is what happened. And. I got a lot of shit for saying it the day of the vice presidential debate. And then Mike Pence in the VP debate said, we shut down half the economy. And I went, mm, right again. Can't argue with my flawless research. So, uh, you know, it's just really a crazy time to see all these people saying Donald Trump is, is a, 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 an effective guy. So, so, you know, in terms of his communication skills, like, the video, uh, so Donald Trump's the most effective communicator since Ronald Reagan, we're told. He could have won that debate. He could have had a huge victory. He, he chose not to do it. He, when he got coronavirus, he violated one of the most basic principles of storytelling. It's called the hero's journey. You know, the hero of our story faces a, uh, you know, hold on, let me read it to you. Uh, so the hero's journey Joseph Campbell, a professor of mythology, defined it, and he writes, In narratology and comparative mythology, the hero's journey, or monument, is the common template of stories that involve a hero who goes on an adventure, is victorious in a decisive crisis, and comes home changed or transformed. And I think everybody, when we heard Trump got coronavirus, said, I hope he's okay, but I really want him to learn a lesson. I really want him to prove that he understands and empathizes with the 200,000 people that have died in their families. You know, because that's a 9-11 every three days happening in this country, and it's increasing this week. None of this is fake. It's all real. And Donald Trump has done everything wrong in terms of the pandemic. He didn't release his CDC to decentralize testing you know, he's he's undermined the correct libertarian argument for the pandemic has always been take the science seriously, persuade people to act correctly and do not use government force, because when you use government force, it backfires. You create resentment, you create backlash. And that's what we've seen happen. 
People now go, it's fake. I'm not going to wear a mask. There was another study this week that shows masks do work. It's decreased spread by 25% in some of these studies. You know, and so instead of, instead of actually modeling good behavior to persuade people to do things that will help end the pandemic, Donald Trump has done the exact opposite. And he has helped flame that backlash and resentment that's taken us to terrible places that has killed a lot of people. The correct libertarian argument is always government doesn't work and it hasn't worked through the lockdowns. The lockdowns have not worked. In fact, government lockdowns have made everything decidedly worse because of this backlash and resentment. It's, it's forced people into deciding whether or not to do things that are in their interest and the community's interest versus feeling like they're siding with the government if they do. And so, you know, I think everything that Whitmer did in Michigan was totally wrong. She tried to lock up an entire state. Her instincts have been totally wrong. And then that backlash leads to the horrible, horrible plan to kidnap her and basically start a civil war in Michigan. Totally reject oh. that. And I don't... And you're that, talking about... Well, you talk about uh, command culture too. When you when you start saying "liberate Michigan," yeah, that doesn't help. He's he's the standby and stand back stuff. The liberate Michigan. Yeah. It's all a task. He knows that he is on thin margins, and he can't lose any of his coalition. Yeah. He can't lose any base, and so he can't say that white supremacy is bad because he can't say anything other than what he said. He has to stand on the balcony and whip off his mask in some authoritarian show. Like, you know, there, he has to do that stuff now because he can't lose those people because it's so close. But Donald Trump's instincts through the pandemic, through the economic crisis, through the riots, all of this has been totally opposite as to what works and what decent libertarians would argue. You know, if you're a libertarian arguing that kidnapping Governor Whitmer is the right thing to do, you're wrong. Go go look up the lib, lib, the wicker eh, the Wikipedia entry for the libertarian pledge. The libertarian pledge is that I don't I will not advocate violence to achieve social or political goals. Every libertarian party member takes that pledge. The reason that pledge was invented in 1971 is that people don't remember from 68 to like 72, 73, there were 10,000 bombings in the United States. If you think there's violent radical action taking place now, it doesn't even compare to what was happening in the 60s and 70s. And David Nolan, who founded the party, instituted the Libertarian Pledge as a way to differentiate the Libertarian Party from those fringe violent groups on both the left and the right that were active at that time. And, you know, when Timothy McVeigh said that he was a libertarian, Steve Dasbach, who was chair at the time, who's now running Joe's campaign, said, you know, Timothy McVeigh is not a libertarian. He doesn't fall under the pledge. These guys in Michigan are trying to use violence to initiate social and political change. And I know that they, they think that because cops exist, they should have the right to kill them. That's not what libertarians believe. That's not a peaceful society. We're trying to work for a harmonious, peaceful society built on cooperation. And violence does nothing to change that. And so trying to make a, a hero out of all these right-wing militia guys, I'm not with you. I'm not with you on that. Uh, it's the exact opposite of what, what I want to see in a society. I don't want to live in a world where we're just picking off politicians because we don't like them. 
You know, it's just not, that's not a functioning society. That's a very violent, awful place to live. And we shouldn't advocate for it because the tacit, when, when you are saying things like, I won't wear a mask because I love freedom. What other people hear is I'm, I don't care about you. And if it weren't for the government, I would do the wrong thing. When you say I want to violently overthrow the government, other people hear that Somalia thing is totally true. They just want Somalia and anarchy, right? Like, so we undermine our very credibility and arguments with, with some of this stuff. And we've just, uh, you know, I've tried to, to make better arguments and I've taken nothing but shit for it. And, uh, it really is mystifying because I think I've been totally right. Government force has backfired. The lockdowns haven't worked. The pandemic is real. And there are a lot of people that have lost their lives that feel a lot of resentment at the president and the people that went to the John Lewis funeral and mayors and governors that are going to eat in restaurants. And I couldn't go to my grandpa's funeral. My grandmother couldn't have a funeral. My best friend died and I couldn't be with them to hold their hand. But Donald Trump gets to ride around in a parade. Donald Trump gets to just go and infect the people that he works for. You know, everybody gets to go to the John Lewis funeral, but I couldn't have a funeral for my parents. That resentment is really building. And the more people that pass, and that's why Donald Trump's numbers with the elderly are rapidly sinking. So let me see if I can find the numbers because it it was a crazy drop in terms of the elderly vote because they know more people who have died. They know people who their lives have been overturned more than anybody else's because they go to the doctor more. They trust their doctor more. Uh, So, you know, it's in that older group, he's really shedding votes. So in 2016, Jonah Goldberg writes at the dispatch in 2016, Trump won seniors by seven points. The NBC Wall Street Journal poll from Sunday has him losing them by seven points. Or 27 points, excuse me. So Trump won seniors by seven points four years ago. He's losing them by 27 points now. The CNN poll from the other day has him losing seniors by a mere 21 points. Seniors make up the biggest block of voters. And it's because they're paying attention. Older people watch the news. Yeah, Yeah, so they, they see how he has treated the pandemic. You know, and he knows he's losing seniors big because of the video that we'll play in a moment. So, um, there is, yes, I see him. He's an idiot. Freaking Ryan, man. He's not an idiot. Love him. Uh, anyways, so, you know, I, I really look at all this stuff and I go, it's hard for, it has to be hard for Republicans because you've got a guy who is actively undermining his own campaign And he's doing dumb things that force you to constantly make excuses for him. And instead of actually calling him out on his behavior, they just continually blame the media. Well, there's there's ends on that whole the media is corrupt thing. Like, there is no doubt that there is a liberal bias. Watch the post coverage of the debate. Like, there was never anything other than Mike Pence was an idiot and Kamala Harris won. Like, everybody knows the media is liberal. But, like, it has been taken to – it's the, take one red pill, not the whole bottle. It's now been taken to a point where we're, we're using it to excuse every insane behavior. You know, and, guy, and so I just have been looking for any honest Republican on this stuff. And Guy Benson, 
wrote, this is a poll from January, Gallup, 56% say they're better off than they were four years ago, and Trump leads Biden 49 to 46 on the I agree with him on issues metric. But Trump tumbles eight net points on the question of presidential qualities. That's the ball game right now. He is why he is trailing. Ben Shapiro has been making this same point this week, uh, that Donald Trump is the reason he is losing. And you're going to start seeing more of that because the rats are going to jump off the ship and they're going to blame him for his loss, rightly so. You know, because of things like this. I, wanna, I want to show you just some, some clips. Now, listen, some of this stuff is, uh, is funny. Like, I, I, re- I was thinking about the old Bush compilations. If you remember the Bush compilations of, uh, like, Bush saying and doing funny things. Some of that, some of that is this, uh, and some of this you'll go, "Oh, why was that a controversy?" That sounds much better than I thought. And then some of it is just flat out insane. So I just put together like a compilation of the last like few days. Like most of this is from the last twenty four hours. But I think the best way for you to judge Donald Trump is just to listen to him and hear what he has to say, and then make up your own mind based on that. Hi, perhaps you recognize me. It's your favorite president. And I'm standing in front of the Oval Office at the White House, which is always an exciting place to be. I got back a day ago from Walter Reed Medical Center. I spent four days there and didn't have to. I could have stayed at the White House, but the doctor said, because you're president, let's do it. I said, fine, you tell me what to do and I'm going to listen. These are great professionals. They've done a fantastic job. And by the way, not only at Walter Reed, all over the country, we have the greatest doctors in the world. We have the greatest nurses the greatest first responders, law enforcement, by the way. Incredible. So, to my favorite people in the world, the seniors. I'm a senior. I know you don't know that. Nobody knows that. Maybe you don't have to tell them, but I'm a senior. We are making tremendous progress with this horrible disease that was sent over by China. China will pay a big price for what they did to the world and to us. But we have medicines right now, and I call them a cure. I went into the hospital a week ago. I was very sick, and I took this medicine, and it was incredible. It was incredible. I I could have walked out the following day sooner. It was incredible, the impact it had. We're taking care of our seniors. You're not vulnerable, but they like to say the vulnerable, but you're the least vulnerable. But for this one thing, you are vulnerable, and so am I. I think we'll do well in California. I mean, you know, in theory, you don't win California because everybody likes to vote three times. Okay, if you want to know the truth. I don't know if you ever saw the list. We're going to get into that later in the program. The whole thing is crazy. But the the people, they want to vote. They vote numerous times, numerous times. I'd like to come Uh, back to the White House soon to do another interview, Mr. President. I'd love to come back to the White House. I saw it up close and personal. Terminating 33,000 emails that she got from Congress. Congress made a request to see him. Everybody else I know gets indicted when they don't give that. They don't give. She she destroyed 33,000 emails. Forget about the fact that they were classified. Let's go. Maybe Mike Pompeo finally finds them. Okay. NBC disaster where he went on the show with Lester Holt. It was like it was meant for a child. It wasn't meant for a, a grown person. Uh, he gets up and he says, we're not fracking. We're not fracking. He was fracking for six months. He was fracking. He was raising his his very thin hand and he was fracking. 
and now all of a sudden he's not fracking. Well, tell the Pennsylvania people that you're going, you know, it, it's ridiculous. He said he's not fracking. That's all he said. And then all of a sudden he goes to a fracking right. mode. And how about her? She committed her life to it. And all of a sudden, she's a fracker. She's a big fracker. They're going to stop fracking the minute they get into office. They're lying to everybody. They're lying about so many different things. But you have to confront yeah. people. You can't I do it. I want to talk to you about that. And, and the radical left controls Biden. Biden won't be president for two months, okay? He won't be president for two months. So, if Biden so never what got do you mean? In, you mean he'll, he'll have be, to step down? Are you saying you think he'll have to capable. step down after two months? He's not mentally capable of being president. You know that. Everybody knows that. Everybody that knows him, he can't be president. And this monster that was on stage with uh, Mike Pence, who destroyed her last night, by the way, but this monster, uh, she says, no, no, there won't be fracking. There won't be this. There won't. Everything she said is a lie. In fact, they well, go she back wants to and they agree the to the manifesto. Take a look at the manifesto. And Iran knows that. And they've been put on notice. If you fuck around with us, if you do something bad to us, we are going to do things to you that have never been done before. One of them is radical left Democrats. And they're destroying those cities. And if I'm the only thing well, standing exactly. in the way... Because this country, this, this country will go to hell. Your taxes will double and triple and quadruple. Your stock markets will crash. We'll have a depression the likes of which we've never seen before. And I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went. I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune, I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there, be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved, and the vaccines are coming momentarily. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. I just, I almost, there's a 10 minute version on our YouTube channel. If you want to see more, it's double that, but it's just from the last week. And I kind of wanted to put this under it. But I didn't because we're fair and balanced here. Uh, You know, it's, some of that is just funny. Like, unintentionally funny. Like, they say you're vulnerable. You're not vulnerable. But for this one thing, you're vulnerable. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then other stuff is just unintentionally, like, it's in, it's just sad. Like, if you're one of those people who had a loved one pass out of that 210,000 Americans, like, you, what, your family member's a pussy for not dominating it well enough? Like, it just, the, my thing on that last clip is that Donald Trump, again, the great communicator, was trying to be empathetic. He was trying to be optimistic. He wasn't trying to be anything other than that, in my mind. 
but he just has never done it and he doesn't understand how to do it and it didn't come through that way and it came across as insensitive and ham-fisted you know i think what's happening now with his dropping poll numbers is that it's one thing to read a tell-all book and hear about the erratic behavior it's one thing to kind of like oh see on your facebook feed your one tds friend ranting about the president it's another thing to actually pay attention and start see it live on television I think that people right now are kind of going, Reinhold, like this is these people. This is not good. <laughs> no. And the worst part, too. I mean, one, one of the things that was really interesting in that when he said, we have the best medical, excuse me, we have the best medical care. No, you have the best medical care. A right. Lot of people are trying to figure out what's going on. But, yeah, you're getting a drug that what, 600 people have had 300, uh, 300. And, it, and it's. And it's um, reportedly based off of stem cell research. And it's like, you guys, mm, it's, they don't understand how they're looking to the normal American, I think, or just like, I, I can't do this stuff that I want to do. Like, my dad had surgery yesterday, and my mom can only visit him for an hour every day. That's it. And it's like, you know we're having to do all this stuff and make these sacrifices and, and deal with the reality of what's going on. And he's living in a fantasy world. Right. Covita doesn't have to do any of it. Right. Covita gets to take a parade because he dominated COVID. You know, it's, it's the elites. It's it's that a whole mentality of the elites uh, in a society, which we're not supposed to have. This society is not supposed to have that layer of elites in its uh, periphery. So, why are we doing that? Why are we letting that happen? It's just like we should be fighting against that and, and bringing people down so that everybody, you know, is kind of treated equally under the law and you don't have this situation anymore. Yeah, there is, there are limits. The gravity has to set in at some point and sure. he has done everything the wrong way and it's worked some somewhat. But I think there's like if you're familiar with the, the myth of Icarus, so. Icarus's father, Daedalus, was this inventor in ancient Greece. He invented the, uh, the, the labyrinth. And he was imprisoned by King Minos because he was too good at his job, basically. So he invented a way to escape prison for him and his son. And it was to build wings out of wax and feathers. And they were ele- the, the myth is that they were the first people to ever fly. Now, before they, they set off, Daedalus says to his son, you got to stay close to me, stay in the middle. If you go too low, you're going to get the wings wet and it'll weigh them down. And you'll fall into the and, and And if you go too high, it'll melt the wings. And so once Icarus is in the air, he's the first person to ever fly. And, and Hubris takes over and he gets intoxicated with the power that he has. And he just goes higher and higher and higher till his wings melt and he trumbles to his death. And I think there's a little bit of that where he's the Icarus candidate. He's just got people around him that tell him he's doing great. Nobody's telling him to stop calling into these radio shows. Whereas Joe Biden, everybody's making fun of him for hiding out in the basement or not answering questions about packing and all this. What Joe Biden knows is that you don't have to answer every question and you don't have to be heard. You don't have to talk. You just have to not be the topic of conversation. Stay out of the news cycle. The person in the news cycle is the person that loses. This is how Trump won. In 2016, Kellyanne Conway and Bannon forced Donald Trump to shut up. He just talked in the debates. He didn't tweet. He didn't do anything other than the rallies. 
and he didn't do all this extra BS that he's doing now, and it served him well because Hillary's pneumonia, Hillary's emails, that was the story, that was the topic of conversation, and that reminded people how much they hated Hillary Clinton. And he's kind of becoming the new Hillary Clinton. He's he's sort of corrupt. He will use the power of the presidency for whatever personal things he wants to use it for. He's unlikable. He's exhausting. And he's the topic of conversation, and it's going to backfire on him. Definitely. I mean, and, I, and I've been trying to say this for a while. You know, it's not – there's nothing policy-related that's going on in this, this – uh, election years you, neither of them are no doing like one thing where you could say well if the economy goes a little bit better and then this happens a certain way then maybe the numbers start to change mm-hmm. and that's not what's going on if you look at the numbers for the past year year and a half they're steady you've had biden about 10 points ahead of trump for a year even when yeah. he was just a suspected candidate right? right and that's why he won is because people thought well, he's got the best chance to beat Trump. People just want Trump out of office during the the impeachment, like 60, 60 percent of the country wanted him removed from office. And those people just didn't change their minds after that. You know, people are exhausted during the during the impeachment. They did. Uh, I forget who it was, but I was listening to a podcast and they did a uh, kind of you know where they did a they brought people in and, and questioned them and said hey you know what do you think about this what do you think about that and to a person they all just said i'm tired i'm tired of every day there's something new that i have to see and do and talk to people about and deal with and it's just like i just want it to go back to a normal of some sort mm-hmm. you know a little bit of a calm give us a breath let us take a breath and relax for five minutes and i think people are just exhausted and that's that's what this election is about. Yeah, Harry. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. Uh, this election, you, no one's really talking about like any like specific policy. No, well, we're trying to do this, trying to get this election. It's just a lot of it's air. Um, they're both air salesmen, and it's just more of a I hate him, I hate them, and air, just air, just freaking air. I'm they're selling air. It is this is the way I describe it. It's just because there is no hardcore concrete policy that that's one wants to push through. And in 2016, Trump had um, that one boost with the uh, trying to you know I'm gonna you know I'm gonna get Gorsuch. We're gonna get Gorsuch. I was like okay fine you know so I'll, not me person but the public was like yes so we get him we get that now he's got air. He's got nothing. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're and you're absolutely right. So many um, like. There's so many different, like, if you go to, all right, so I actually found bullets to go shooting, which was, I was shocked I could get some. But uh, at the range, everyone was like, I don't know who I'm voting for because not like Trump's going to protect the Second Amendment. Right. <laughs> you know, so you just sit there like, well, vote libertarian or do something else, but good luck. Yeah, the the emperor has no no clothes. Um. Facebook user. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't understand what is going on with podcasts and messages like this. What good does it do to criticize the actions of Trump or Biden? Both do horrible things. All politicians do. The focus should be either on an alternative or what possible good either candidate is likely to do. Well, the literal definition of this show <laughs> is that we examine current events. This is not... If you want libertarianism explained... And you want libertarian yeah, policy okay. points? That's what Liberty Explained is for. This is a you should, you it, should put together like some alternate uh, 
podcast that maybe delve into that sort of thing or or maybe like a, a newsletter that you put out every day that kind of <laughs> talks about some of these things. That's Those are really good ideas I think you should investigate. Yeah, you can go watch the 50 posts this week that Liberty Explained published explaining Joe Jorgensen's policy positions, but that's not what I'm interested in doing. Okay, this is about analyzing the – like I have a different podcast that explains the libertarian vision of the world. So I just get – this is the main reason I want to change the name of this show because I'm so tired of everybody going. Like, I want to talk about a libertarian perspective on current events, which is much different than let me suck the dick of every libertarian thing on the planet. Like that. Uh, the, 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 no, but anyways, so I, I'd love to see how much, how many people say to somebody like Dave Smith, you know, well, that's not, um, now I actually, a lot of people say that's not very libertarian to Dave Smith. <laughs> he gets that kind of criticism too. It's just, it's like once you, once you declare a position and he and I kind of talked about that on a show, he's like, I never got criticized till I said I was in the libertarian party and then it never stopped. I was like, I know brother, I'm with you. It's just, it's, it's irritating. Um, I know dear leader out here dropping the podcast ball. I know. Dropping five episodes a week from five different shows. I'm exhausted for you people. <laughs> uh, anyways. Oh, so, did we hit a milestone this week too, by the way? Which one? The million likes or something. Oh, yeah. We got 100,000 likes on the Facebook page. We had hit 100,000 likes last week, but Ryan screeched too hard. So uh <laughs> we lost them <laughs> we're up to over twenty thousand on instagram our facebook reach is something like i looked last week and it was like four million we had a tweet on vp night that's got two million impressions like business is very good doing what we're doing and i'm gonna keep doing it because a lot of people like it so um Chris, I respect the shit out of you, but all this is just Trump bashing, and he deserves it, but I don't think you understand how this comes off. Just my two cents. I apologize for being engaged. I'm not mad at you. It's just that you probably don't want to hear Trump being criticized. Like, there's a lot of libertarians, and I don't know if this is you uh, or not, because this, this is an anonymous Chris, and he deserves it, but bashing isn't doing anything. If he deserves I, it, if the truth is to be told about a president who is a politician, who is the most powerful man in the country, and he deserves being, quote-unquote, bashed, why would you not say that? It's uh, just that, up. it's just, hold on, it's just that a lot of libertarians want to cling to the binky of being a Republican or a Democrat as, as their security blanket. I'm not here to make you comfortable I'm not here to make my audience comfortable. I'm here to make my audience think with facts. Like, I give facts, I give analysis, and I make you think. I'm not here to persuade you on anything other than maybe you've learned something by listening to me. I'm not here to persuade you that libertarianism is the right thing, but in the process of doing what I do, I do that. And we create thousands of libertarians every week because of what we do. And it's by making them uncomfortable but people, especially of the right, want to be comfortable all the time, and it's not helping you. So I'm sorry if the constant discussion about politics makes you uncomfortable because you want to hear how much Biden sucks. There's plenty of podcasts that do that. So 
like you're not hearing the alternative version of of like when you hear about the uh the voter stuff that we're going to talk about or next week when we talk about all the lawsuits that republicans are filing to fuck with people's rights to vote you're not hearing that because you listen to ben shapiro every day and you should hear that because both sides are bad but you only hear how bad the left is because you only listen to one type of media you only follow being libertarian and see how bad Joe Biden is and what a dotard he is. And you yeah, don't we just did a whole podcast on Biden that we ripped him a new one. I mean, it's it's not like we pick a one side or the other. That, that viral the reality tweet, is, is that Trump is in power right now. That viral tweet not. that I just talked about was a, a meme about Kamala Harris and how terrible she is. So I'm sorry if it makes you uncomfortable, but I just don't care. I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm not here to convince you to, to be or do or think anything. I'm here to give my point of view, and you can listen to it or not, but it's not my job to be a cheerleader for any candidate or any movement or any of that other shit. I'm done with that. Like, I spent most of my life trying to get people to vote a certain way, to think a certain way, and I just, I'm exhausted with that. All I can do is give you my perspective and you can listen to it or not. And there are a lot of people who say they don't like listening to the show anymore because we're secret leftists. Like you just don't like hearing that Donald Trump has flaws. Not, not you. We can help direct you to the right ones. We, you know, there's plenty of that. There's plenty of right libertarians who want to be right leaning you know, Austin Peterson's out there pro Trump every five minutes. And it's like, you know, it's, I I love Austin AP and I talk all the time, but like some of the things that he tweets, I'm just like, what, <laughs> you know, and there's plenty of people like I disagree with Ryan on our staff who's voting for Biden. I don't think that that's a, a worthwhile vote, but he's got his point of view and all I can do is respect that, you know? And so I give you more show notes. I give you more content than any other podcast that you can find. I find a political podcast that, has, that posts their show notes and shows their work. Find another podcast that gives you as many articles to read or videos to watch or books to read or articles to read. Like, nobody shows their work more than us. And yet you, don't, you just dismiss it because you don't like hearing it. it. It makes you uncomfortable. And at a certain point, the problem's not me. So, it, all right, go so. ahead. Criticism. And, and I will also say, I try really hard not to be too harsh and unfair, right? Like, I try, like, we don't share AOC is stupid memes, or we don't share Biden is failing mentally memes in general. Maybe other people do, but, you know, we don't, we don't call him like a big orange baby. We don't, you know, I don't, I try not to be too personal. I try to give you facts. I try to give you information with, with, like I try not to be too personal, you know, and I try to do my criticism in a way that is respectful of the people that I'm criticizing that if I were sitting across from them, I would be comfortable saying that I don't always hit that mark, but that is always my goal is to be respectful. And it doesn't matter because people just don't want to hear the criticism. They don't want to hear what's actually going on from a different perspective. They don't actually mean the both sidesism. You know, the both sidesism of, well, yeah, you said that thing about Trump, but Biden. That means that you really don't care about the principle. 
being articulated. You don't really care about defending the argument or the principle. You care about excusing the behavior from the team that you sort of coalition with. You know, that coalition instinct kind of kicks in and drives people towards a particular point of view where they start saying and believing ridiculous things. Like, yes, the media is leftist, but just hear Donald Trump's words and you go, none of that makes sense. That's not the media's fault for accurately quoting him verbatim. You know, it's the same with Joe Biden. People make, mis- people make excuses for Joe Biden's lack of sharpness. You know, uh, and you just go, just admit it. Like, just say what it is. Like, you, you, you have to, I, I said this to a friend who is a big Biden supporter. I go, you have to stop being mad at me for not wanting to vote for Joe Biden because of his record. Joe Biden has said racist things. Joe Biden has implemented racist policies. You have to stop getting mad at me because I believe that he's not a worthy candidate because of that. You're uncomfortable with that record. You just need to deal with it. Reconcile it. It's not my responsibility to make you comfortable because you're choosing a candidate that has a flawed past. Same with Kamala Harris. Deal with it. Embrace it. Just be honest about it, but quit talking about the other's team because you are uncomfortable with it. So, all right. All right. All right. Hold up. Hold up. All right. Go ahead, Harry. Just wanted to say this, right? Personal attacks, that's going to be considered bashing. What, what I believe we are doing is just showing facts. And you're correct. It is the idea of here, things are just happening. These are history. These are facts. These are things that have happened. If you think that is bashing, then you're right. You just don't want to see the truth. You don't want to be informed. If you think being informed is bashing, then you're not being intellectually honest. Uh, you know, it's, it's that's just what it is. Then it, that means you can't take honest criticism. That means when, it, to me, when it is like having a just like at any job, you have a review. You know, be completely honest. Projects that you failed on. Why you failed on these projects is the exact same way. And if Trump can't take that, and if a Trump supporter can't hear that, it's like, well, your team failed and needs to hear this. And if they want to be better, more to this position, they need to understand their failings. All right. Not and, bashing. And I just want to say, it's not, uh, I think there are some people who are just like, why do we have to, because like I mentioned before, we're just getting tired of hearing about Trump all the time. We're just tired of hearing the the news cycle constantly doing, but it's of his own making, right? If that, he wasn't that, trying to that was change the, entire, the news cycle every 30 minutes, we wouldn't be talking about him all the time. The, I literally, I thought I was very fair when I said in the beginning of the show, like Trump won that debate, but then he lost it. Like Trump is Correct. his own worst enemy. Like that's, I, that's being fair. That's not starting the show going, this is the most immoral, dangerous man who's mentally unfit for the office. But like, I don't know. So, uh, it's Wes Hamilton, Patreon supporter. Principles don't have party lines. Uh, I apologize if I'm singling you out. And I appreciate that you're a Patreon supporter, Wes. We have, have, have great conversations. We have this conversation a lot because he's always trying to get me to moderate a little bit. And I appreciate that you are a Patreon supporter, but I, I mean what I said. Like, I'm here to not make anyone comfortable with by talking about what's actually happening because this is really important stuff people need to know so you know i appreciate everybody in our audience i appreciate like i've just had to over the last two to three months take like 
I'm going to let Ryan post on the Facebook page. He's a libertarian socialist. I don't understand everything that he believes, but I'm willing to try and learn a little bit. And I appreciate that he makes a lot of people uncomfortable because too much of the movement has become too oriented to one side. And there is only there's not one type of libertarian. There's three libertarians here and there's four different strains of libertarianism on this very program at the moment, you know, and libertarianism is not made up. I had a, a great conversation with a very liberal-tarian the other day and she was giving me a lot of stuff to read. So I'm like, I, I just don't understand your point of view on this. Can you give me these things? Like, I'm intellectually curious. I want to understand why people think what they think and I want to build an audience of people who want to think that same way. And so, like, the order of criticism, when I get it, it comes from co-hosts who are personally invested in it, Patreon supporters who are financially invested in it, people in our Facebook group that are longtime listeners that are engaged in it, people of Wes is one, uh, two, and three. And then the last group of people that I listen to are the comments on our Facebook page who never listen to the show, don't understand what we do, don't engage with the content, and are snowflaking out because of one person out of 30 making posts on a Facebook page that we barely care about because it really does nothing for the brand. We produce seven, eight different podcasts. I personally do five different shows. We've got all these amazing hosts on the, on the network and people get so upset over one person or, and it's just because they're uncomfortable seeing it. And I know Wes is not that person. So are the beliefs of other people. You know what I mean? Like there, there is more than one strain of libertarianism and everybody just needs to get comfortable with that because there are liberal people, there are right-leaning people, there are centrists, there are, there are libertarian communists. You know, it's like we are libertarians have always tried to bring you a broad perspective and give you a broad view and not try to force one thing down your throat. And that, that creates confusion for people who don't get it. But the people who get it, I care. I really do take that criticism to heart. And I've tried, thanks to my conversations with people like Wes, to make sure that I am more fair about certain things. But at, this, at the end of the day, I've got to tell the truth. I've got to show you what's happening. And I've got to do my thing. So, Harry, go ahead. All right. One thing with Ryan's posts, they do make you think. And sometimes I do feel like, personally, I feel like they are meant to inflame. And, yeah. But uh, – and I like, and I always wanted to like post back when I am on Facebook to like, hey, this, and start having a conversation. But it's the 500 comments, like, wow, they're not wanting to have a conversation. No. Yes. They want to yes, cancel. I, they want to cancel the dude. Right. I'm not going to fire a guy who works really hard and brings a valuable perspective to my group because it makes people uncomfortable. Now, as far as like, you know, it's just get over it. Like, it's cancel culture from the libertarian perspective. Like, I'm not going to do it. I don't, I don't care. Like, grow up. Right. And, uh, but the thing is, right, Remzo and Brian do the exact same thing, but it's the side that they want to hear. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I was complaining this to Paul, I'm like, and I'm tired of this, but Brian and Remzo does the same thing. Brian and, like, Remzo posts that Trump is the greatest president in his lifetime, and nothing happens to that post. Right. We, we post... <laughs> 15 posts a day on that stupid page but ryan because it's it's a progressive point of view it gets 500 comments and that's all people see because that's what facebook wants they don't want this 
there's 20 people watching on the Facebook page right now because people don't want this. People want to be pissed off. And so I don't pay attention to the Facebook page because it's a trash platform. Correct. <laughs> it's, Correct. It, it only trash wants platform. to piss you off. It's yes. insane. All right. So I guess what so anyways, well, now that I, I just I'm trying to keep my blood pressure low, but this election season is is really <laughs> uh, so anyways, Reinhold, anything else before we move on? No, I think we're uh, good. Let's move on. OK. All right. So let's talk about mail in voting, absentee voting voter fraud because this is a topic of conversation that is going to come up a lot and so let's define voter fraud so voter fraud is manipulating the results of an election by rigging the votes and electoral fraud all consists of voter fraud crime so it's all criminal and these are illegal and interfere with the process of legitimate elections um maybe we ought to Talk so there are a lot of libertarians, Reinhold, who don't believe in voting and don't think that it's proper. Uh, I'm not one of them. I think that if they have power over you, you ought to be involved in the discussion. But I certainly think and respect the the point of view that like if you're voting, you're just it's a different form of violence. You're trying to uh, persuade. You're you're trying to use the force of the state to make people live the way based on the candidate that you're selecting? Well, it depends on what you're voting for. If you're voting for people who are saying we're not going to abuse that or use that except in a self-defensive way, then are you engaging in violence? Are you engaging in a pullback from violence uh, that currently exists? So the reality is, is that you can say, I, I don't believe in voting because, you know, it's, it's violence, but, and I want the state to end, but you not voting is not going to end the state. In fact, right. most of the people who are running as politicians are glad that those people don't vote mm-hmm. because then their supporters have more voice, more power in the political system. Mm-hmm. So I always look at it as get your voice out there. I mean, I'm going to uh, I have I'm supposed to be going to do um, early voting. I was supposed to do it earlier this week and I didn't get a chance to with everything going on. Um, but I'm going to go vote and I'm going to vote for. Uh, most, you know, Joe for president and a bunch of other people, but people will say, well, she can't win. I'm like, well, maybe she can, maybe she can't, but I'm going to vote my view. And then that's going to be recorded so that somebody can see it so that, you know, we, we talk about polls. You can't believe in polls because polls are kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a muddy science. I mean, it's a science, but it's also kind of a, almost a guessing game a little bit. You have to adjust and, and do things. So it's not, it's not a hard science. Um, but people complain about the polling and they're kind of, kind of right in the fact that that's just kind of a snapshot representation based off a small sample. If you want to know what the people think, this is the only time you get to say that, right. That is recorded so that the politicians can see what's going really going on. And if you have a bunch of people coming in and voting for the libertarian candidate and you're a Republican and you lose by less than how many people voted for that libertarian candidate, you might think, well, maybe I should reach out to them and figure out what they want and maybe incorporate some of their ideas into what I'm running for so that I don't lose again. Mm. And that's how you get 
your it, message out there to the politicians. They're not going to listen any other way. A libertarian. The only thing they care about is their job and their butt on the line and what affects them personally. And that's voting is the only way to do that. It, and it shows that there's a marketplace for those ideas. There's a market. It's a verifiable, quantifiable. You know, the reason that people go, well, we don't care about your ideas because you're one percent. Once you start getting to five, 10, 20, 33 percent. Then they start caring a lot more. They take a Rand Paul, a Thomas Massey, a Joe Jorgensen, a Gary Johnson much more seriously when that vote total starts increasing. It's a verifiable, quantifiable protest. And so that's why ballot access laws, in my view, are anti-First Amendment. Because you're organizing, you're grouping together a group of people to make a political statement. And any limitation of that ability is against the First Amendment. Um, And so... Voter fraud is fraud, and it's against the non-aggression principle. Fraud, murder, you know, theft. These are against the non-aggression principle. And so trying to cheat in an election is against the non-aggression principle. It doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian or an Independent or a quote-unquote nonpartisan body doing it. Cheating in elections is wrong, and they ought to go to jail, and they often do. So... Some attempt to increase the votes to favor a candidate, and other attempts are to decrease the votes to the possible elected officials they do not like. So uh, if you are, you're trying to increase your candidate's vote or you're trying to depress the vote of another. Now, when taking part in these illegal acts, the individual or group may use manual or electronic means. So there's a lot of people that vote by punch card, like a Scantron. I vote Scantron here in Marion County. But uh, if you're in Hendricks County, a, a county over, you vote with an electrical machine. Uh, I tried to get somebody on. I keep getting pissed off around all this, the, the voter fraud and mail-in ballot and all that. And I tried to get somebody on who worked, has worked through multiple different, you know, worked for election boards and worked for companies that sell those machines. And uh, their boss didn't clear it. And then I couldn't get anybody from apparently local election offices are very busy and don't have time to talk to podcasts. Um, so, I wonder why they're just so busy. Right I know, now. right? So I tried to get somebody who has that, but so instead we did our research and, and tried to dive in, and and you can see those show notes, which were put together by Sam Schultz, our lead researcher, and did an amazing job. Now, most voter fraud ex- explained by the media or those feeling affected by it encounter other instances that cause problems. These usually include clerical errors, software issues, and data matching practices that are not beneficial to the process. Sometimes a mistake is a mistake and not, not intentional. Never, never attribute to the government uh, a conspiracy theory when it's just plain old incompetence. Sometimes that is just a – listen, I've been a part – I've watched Meltdowns as a reporter uh, here in Indianapolis, and sometimes you just have a clerk who isn't effective. They're not good at their job or they're brand new. And they don't know what they're doing, and they're, they're too proud to learn from the previous clerk of a different party, and you end up with a nightmare. Mm-hmm. That's, not, uh, that's not nefarious intent. That is just a person who doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, so what are some different types of election fraud? Impersonation fraud at the polls. So voting in the name of other legitimate voters who have died, moved away, lost their right to vote uh, because they're felons but remain registered. False registration. Voting under fraudulent voter registration that either uses a phony name or a real or fake address and claim residence in a particular jurisdiction where the registered voter does not actually live 
and is not entitled to vote. There's also duplicate voting. This is what Trump was sort of saying, and please do not do this. Uh, although Wes is right, there's probably not many Trump supporters listening left. But please, if your family member is saying they're going to register in multiple locations or vote in the same election on uh, uh, in person and in a mail-in ballot to make sure their vote counts, they will catch you. And you don't want to do that. Please make sure that people don't vote twice. Fraudulent use of absentee ballots, requesting absentee ballots and voting without the knowledge of the actual voter or obtaining the absentee ballot from a voter. And now they're filling it out indirectly or forging the voter's signature or illegally telling the voter who to vote for. That's probably the most common form, uh, which is why 25 percent of absentee ballots typically get tossed out in elections. Less than one percent. And in-person voting gets tossed out, but 25% of mail-in ballots. Buying votes. Paying voters to cast either an in-person or absentee ballot for a particular candidate. Illegal assistance at the polls. Forcing or intimidating voters to vote for particular candidates while supposedly providing them with assistance. This is kind of common. Uh, you, you have the person who goes and picks people up. Now, when I say common, I mean... Very, very, very rare in the amount of uh, percentages of votes. But in terms of the type of fraud, this is somewhat common, especially with the elderly. Ineligible voting, illegal registration, and voting by individuals who are not U.S. citizens and are convicted felons and otherwise not eligible to vote. Altering the vote count. Changing the actual vote count in either the precinct or at the central location where the votes are counted. This is extremely rare. Um Ballot petition fraud, force, forging the signatures of registered voters on the ballot petitions that must be filed with election officials in some states for a candidate or an issue to be listed on the official ballot. A June study from the Brookings Institution, uh, which is a left, center left, I'd say, in a similar research has shown voter fraud in the U.S. is exceedingly rare, including in the states that conduct all-male elections. The Brennan Center for Justice put out a report debunking the case of an abundance of voter fraud. We've got all of that linked in our show notes. The Heritage Foundation. Uh, this is a great article that I'll put in the show notes. Let's put the vote by mail fraud myth to rest. What's the actual scale of voter fraud? We'll go to a right-leaning foundation the heritage foundation for this information. Vote fraud in the US is exceedingly rare. This is printed in the hill. With mailed ballots and otherwise, over the past 20 years, about 250 million votes have been cast by a mail ballot nationally. The Heritage Foundation maintains an online database of election fraud cases in the United States and reports that there have been just over 1,200 cases of vote fraud in all forms, resulting in 1,100 criminal convictions over the past 20 years. Of those 204 involved, 204 people over 20 years Involved in the fraudulent use of absentee ballots, 143 resulted in criminal convictions. Let's put that data into perspective. 143 cases of fraud using mail ballots over the course of 20 years comes out to seven to eight cases per year nationally. Seven to eight cases in 5,000 counties. It also means that across the 50 states, there has been an average of three cases per state over the 20-year span. That is just one case per state every six or seven years. We're talking about an occurrence that translates to 0.00006% of total votes cast. 
Oregon is the state that started mailing ballots to all voters in 2000 and has worked diligently to put place in place stringent security measures as well as strict punishment for those who would tamper with a mailed ballot. For that state, the following numbers apply. Well over 50 million ballots cast. There have been only two fraud cases verifiable enough to result in convictions for mail-in ballot fraud over 20 years. That is 0.000004%, about five times less likely than getting hit by lightning in the United States. This hardly seems like a world in which thousands and thousands of people are sitting in somebody's living room signing ballots all over the place, quote, end quote. Um, now, it's almost, as, it's almost as rare as getting COVID, right? And dying from COVID. Is that well, what those rates are now? Just please dominate it. Um, <laughs> So, the uh, let's go. I want to play something called The Circus. Uh, this is on Showtime. I have Showtime money. And I, I watch this show uh, every week because I think it's a really great show. And I think uh, so, it's worth the eight bucks on Amazon Prime just to watch this show. It's, it's uh, made up of the people that wrote Game Change Mark, Mark Halperin and uh, um, John Heilman. Mark Halperin was asked to leave after some inappropriate Me Too stuff. And uh, they started, they wrote these two great books on the elections, and then they started the show in 2016. And uh, Mark McKinnon, who worked for Bush at a high level, uh, there's uh, the, the lady who worked for uh, Obama, uh, Paul Mary, who was his communications person. And then uh, reporter Alex Wagner replaced Heilman. And so the Bush guy, McKinnon, goes to... Uh, mail in so in certain states there are and uh, we've got the the name in nine states in washington dc every registered voter will be mailed a ballot ahead of the election california dc and vermont will do this for the first time this fall Uh, so five states washington oregon colorado utah and hawaii have all mail elections through universal voting by, by mail systems so there that this has been expanded where every voter gets a a ballot which is different than the absentee system where you request the ballot, okay? And that is the distinction that Donald Trump has seized on in that more states are automatically mailing out ballots, so therefore it must be fraudulent. Well, how do they check it? Long story short, when you sign up your voter registration, you sign your name. And they compare that signature to the signature on your voter registration card uh, on your ballot, and if there's any discrepancies, they toss you out. And so... I've been a part of two recounts, one where the candidate won by three and another where a candidate won by 14 and spent days in the election board room watching these recounts and how this works. And I've watched multiple elections as both a reporter and as a party official and and just as a candidate and a campaign volunteer uh, and what you learn if you actually go and engage in the process is how ver- how secure your vote actually is. And I know that it's hard for people to buy that because you sort of vaguely think there's a lot of fraud out there, but the size and scope of it is very limited. The last real case of fraud we have, it, it, fraud is so rare, as we just heard in those statistics, that you know about it when it happens because it's so easy to catch them. And... It's, and so when I say this, like I, I served, I was the libertarian representative on the Help America Vote Act Commission for Indiana. The secretary of the state wanted a libertarian, and I was the swing vote on that committee, by the way. Like, so 
I have a lot of experience in voting systems and watching elections here in Indiana. And I can tell you, if you, if you're, this system is quote unquote so corrupt that you can go volunteer to be a judge for your local clerk on election day. You can volunteer to be one of those recount watchers. You can volunteer as through a county party to go be a poll watcher to make sure there's no funny business going on. And there's always problems, you know, but there's very little net malintent. And when I say all this stuff and I try to give my credentials so people understand the depth from which I'm speaking over 15, 20 years, they go, you don't understand that your experience may not be everybody's experience. But that person that says that doesn't, doesn't realize that this is an industry where there are three or four standardized systems that are then purchased. And like every industry has standard practices, right? And so that's the same for all these different counties. So while there are 5,000, the, the reality is this is, the, this is libertarian ideas and libertarian quote-unquote government at work, right? Because this is so decentralized into 5,000 different counties across the United States, the system works really well. And the more centralized you make it, the less well it works, which is why we have to resist Congress getting involved in voting at by all costs, right? So you have an inter- industry that's highly decentralized with some standardized practices, and it functions correctly and catches the bad actors easily and prosecutes them at a very high rate. And what I saw in those recounts is very common. What you saw in what you saw in Minnesota in the Senate race or uh, in Florida in 2000, you, you get a ballot. And so all the votes get counted, right? And they check the poll book that you sign in Indiana. We call it the wagon book. When you go in to vote, you sign your name and they, they check that against the, the printed signature. So from your voter registration card, and they match those signatures in, in person. On absentee, they match those two signatures. And most ballots go through. But there's a percentage of ballots where there's questions. And then a team of lawyers for Republicans and a team of lawyers for Democrats, as well as a bunch of elected officials and volunteers and non, nonpartisan, quote-unquote, watchers, stand around this recount process and... They argue over whether or not this person intended to vote for the opposite candidate because they didn't cross their T or dot their I. Literally. Like, the person who signed Mickey Mouse, they tossed that person out. But if your name is Christopher and you didn't cross your T and I voted for Donald Trump, the Biden team will go, he didn't intend to actually vote. Throw it out. And then a team of judges stand there and give you an instantaneous yay or nay. That's at least how it works here in Marion County, and that typically works across the... The, the, now, the biggest now, – now, so I wanted to find a way to kind of show you this process because why take my word for it? Uh, so the, the circus did a great job of showing you a system that matches a lot of what I've seen and articulating the security around ballots. So take a look at this. What are likely to have happen, which is what we call this red mirage is that because in theory a lot of Republicans are voting on election day as opposed to Democrats who are mailing in, you could have a scenario where on election night, without having counted all the mail-in votes, Donald Trump could plant the flag and say, I'm the winner. I mean, just imagine what that would be like, right? The Florida recount in 2000 consumed the country and the spectacle of the hanging chads, the legal fights, and the knife fight that we saw among operatives. That was one state 
Imagine that in six states or seven states or eight states Stop this in 2020. Train. I want to get off. John, I don't think that scenario is just possible. I think it's probable. Everybody learned a lot of lessons in 2000 that'll apply in 2020. But the one thing I'll say about this election, it looks like it's definitely going postal. So we're in Colorado, where the weather's been really unpredictable. It's dropped 60 degrees in the last 24 hours. For seven years now, Colorado has been successfully using mail-in balloting. The question is, what is Colorado doing right, and what can other states learn from it? We're going to take you to our secure facility here. Okay. So the basement door right here is locked and it's going to require key card access. So even you can't get through this door. I can't get in. Wow. That's right. You're the boss, huh? I'm the, I'm the elected clerk and recorder. Cody is the guy in charge of our whole elections team. This kind of feels like a nuclear facility. I know. <laughs> We're all on 24-7 surveillance now, so you'll see oh, wow. security cameras everywhere we go. Like right here. Huh? That's right. Thank you, Cody. The key master. Go ahead. Thank you. So we're coming to our first entry point here, uh -huh. our election okay. warehouse. Hello, hello. So we're sort of following the path of the ballot here. Our ballots would be picked up by bipartisan teams of judges. They've got them in these secure bags that are here. They're pulling the ballots out, and they're getting them over to our mail sorter over here. This machine is able to process 20,000 ballots an hour. What it's doing is it's sending them through a first time, and it's taking a picture of each ballot envelope to get the signature that's on it. And we're matching that signature on the ballot envelope with a signature that we have on file for that voter to make sure they match. Wow, that's just amazing. Every judge doing this has gone through a rigorous training where, run by an FBI handwriting expert. And do you start counting them as soon as they come in? We do. So you have a lot of the counting done even before election day. That's right. As, as we receive them, we process them. How many voters vote by mail? Uh, so the vast, vast majority of our voters, 98, 99% of our voters, don't come into local precinct polling places. So almost, almost 100%. That's right. And so that suggests that voters have a relative degree of confidence in, this, in the uh, system works. Our voters here in Colorado, Republicans, Democrats, unaffiliated voters, love this. It has increased our accessibility, given us record turnout. It has saved us money in the last seven years. One of the things the president did recently was asked his own supporters to try and vote twice. In other words, he said, try and vote by ballot and go and try and do it in person. Let them send it in and let them go vote. And if their system's as good as they say it is, then obviously they won't be able to vote. I'm not going to give the president legal advice here. I will certainly say to anyone who is listening, voting twice is illegal. In Colorado, it's a felony. In almost every state, it's a felony. That's voter fraud. We will catch you. The election judge who's logging you in is accessing the voter registration system right there in front of you. So if you've already voted, they're going to see that in the system and not let you vote that day. How much voter fraud do you think there is? We've seen numbers from the Conservative Heritage Foundation who've looked at Colorado, they've looked at every state. Seven years of universal vote by mail, 16 million votes in that time in Colorado, nine instances of fraud. That's less than one in a million. Colorado has a good record, it's been doing it for a while, but other states clearly don't. And, and there's going to be other states that are 
you know, trying to go from zero to 60 overnight. And I think people are worried that, you know, that there's going to be problems. There's going to be growing pains as they get the systems up and running, but they're committed to making sure that the election is fair, that the election is accurate. I'd encourage them, no matter what the pressure is, no matter how fast people want you to be delivering results for them, to just make sure you get it right. So you're saying even if it takes a week, two weeks, or even a month? Uh, it's always better in election administration to get to the right results, and that's what we're always striving for. Okay. Oh, sorry. Now, I mean... Harry, that deep state plant uh, just came across as totally lacking credibility. And I think clearly they're going to steal the election for the president, don't you? This system seems faulty. <laughs> I don't think the system seems faulty. I think there's a lot of huge processes in place, um, but a lot of those didn't happen overnight. I think that's why people are worried, because they can see their town county and they don't see they understand that type of system needs to be built and put in place. Um, I think it's an impressive system. The security up there is impressive. What I don't get is, all right, so this whole signature um, verification, that's like, it's terrible. I hate it. Why can't we, why can't we move into something else? There's so many other things. <laughs> Can you imagine the public screeching if we, Said, let's do it by retinal scan, though. Like, the, no biometrics, no hands, no, no, no biometrics. Two-factor authentication or something, you know. I mean, we've got Any, ways. anything. We've got so much better stuff, you know. But Harry just froze. I mean, it's it works. I'm not talking about let's change it now. I'm just saying, like, can we work on plan for the that? future? Yeah, plan for the future. There's a lot of security. I love it, and then it goes like, well, it come down to the signature. I'm like. Oh. Well, but that's part part yeah. of the issue is that Republicans and, and the, the data may bore this out. I don't know totally, but this is what I've always been told and always believed is that the more people that vote, the more Democrats get votes. And so you want to limit the ability for the population. So you don't want uh, Election Day to be a holiday. You don't want, you know, we have early voting now. So you, you can go to the clerk's office or one of these early voting stations and vote. We, we don't want any of that. We want to make sure that it's hard for people to vote. And I've even advocated, and I don't know that I totally disagree with this still, is that uh, you should have to write the name of the person you're voting for in full correctly. Because, like, if you're going to rule over me with your government, then at least know who you're voting for instead of just this straight party ticket bs we're not a parliamentary system where you select a party to 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 rule and then they select their their candidates but uh you know the the idea is limit the ability and uh, to to vote because you don't want liberals to win especially not them illegals reinhold well yeah you don't want the you know, they're trying to give the illegals the vote man you know that's what's going to happen in california that's what's been going on in california which uh, it's it's all crazy. I mean, what we just saw on that is is a good system. And the thing is, is that once you get a good system like that in place that is successful and people see it as successful, other people then go and copy it. So that's, again, the best part about decentralization is that the better systems will prove out over time. And that's what's going to be mostly accepted and implemented throughout the the rest of the country. Right? Yeah. So this, this whole idea and the the worst part though is when you get into the mail in voting is that all the fraud that you, you hear the republicans talking about all the fraud but they're the ones that are getting caught doing it 
You know, right. I mean, when when you've got just they were talking about those uh, the ballots that were thrown in a trash. You know, do you remember the story mm-hmm. about that? Is that the reason that happened is because of laws that the Republicans put in place in order to try to limit the ability of people to vote to to keep the vote levels down um, and cause confusion in the post office, and they were they were uh, seen as ballots or uh, applications instead of ballots, so they got tossed. Right, so it, it was like that's you're doing this to yourself, and then you're complaining about it. And I don't know. It just um, it just seems to me like they're trying to invent a reason to say this isn't valid. Therefore, uh, I can stay in office. Right. So let's give you some more details on some of this stuff. Uh, nearly in 2016, nearly a quarter of the country voted by uh, U.S. votes. Three thirty three million were cast by universal mail or absentee ballots. We told you those five states that have vote my mail systems. Uh, mail voting rules for the 2020 election as of August 11th. All states at least allow some mail voting, but it will make some more accessible to voters than others. In nine states and D.C., every registered voter will now get a mailed-in ballot. That's Colorado, Hawaii, Oregon, Utah, Washington, California, New Jersey, Nevada, Vermont, D.C., if you're in one of those places. In 34 states, voters can cite the coronavirus as a reason to vote absentee, or they can cast absentee ballots without specifying a reason. Here in Indiana, you have to have a reason uh, to get an absentee ballot, which is just kind of crazy. In nine states, every registered voter will automatically be mailed an application to request an absentee ballot. That includes Connecticut, Delaware, Illinois, Iowa, Maryland, Maine, New Mexico, Wisconsin, Ohio. 25 states, voters will need to procure an application for an absentee ballot themselves. In seven states, voters will still need a reason beyond the virus to vote absentee. That means many voters in these states will need to vote in person at a polling place, barring any last-minute changes. Guess who runs these states? South Carolina, Indiana, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, New York, Tennessee, and Texas. New York, that's a weird one. Several new pieces of state legislation are also still pending, and more changes could be forthcoming through executive action, litigation, or other mechanisms. Excuse me. Um, so how does the mail-in balloting work? Typically in states they allow abs- that allow it, uh, the voter writes, calls, or goes online to request the ballot, and uh, they, voters need an excuse for the absentee ballot in places like Indiana or Texas. In making their request, voters have to provide their name and address. After receipt of the request, local election authorities send a ballot to the voter at the home address and provide a security envelope for the ballot that keeps the vote choice private and another envelope into which the ballot is the sealed ballot is placed. The voter signs the outside of the second envelope to certify he or she is the registered voter. Upon receipt of the mailed ballot, local election authorities check the name of the voter to make sure the person is registered to vote and is casting a ballot from the address registered with the election authority. After certifying those facts, they remove the seal ballot from outside the, the outside envelope containing the voter's signature so that the voter's preferences remain confidential. On election day, states count the mail ballots and add the results to the votes of those individuals who cast their ballots in person. And that's why you see a growth in numbers after election day because people, like we said, a quarter of voters across the country – vote and they're not counted till election day 
And so these, there's two envelopes, multiple sealed. They're all anonymous. When you're doing a recount, you can't tell the name of the, you can't tell who, you can't tell the name of the person that voted. You just see who they voted for. Um, I'm misremembering that. Ignore what I just said. Uh, I'm going back to 2003 and thinking, uh, so that's probably not safe. Uh, during the presidential primaries, many states make it easier for people to vote by mail and saw higher turnout in states that made fewer changes. And of the states that have held presidential primaries and caucuses this year, 31 have seen an increase in turnout compared to 2016. Of those, 18 had sent either ballots or ballot applications to all voters ahead of the primaries. So about half saw an increased turnout when they made it easier for people to vote. Six states continue to require voters to have a reason other than the virus to vote. Um, In those states, voter turnout stayed roughly the same. A major study of California, Utah, and Washington State conducted by Stanford for the elections of 96 and 2018 concluded there was no partisan advantage for either party based on voting by mail. So that general feeling that this helps Democrats is not true. According to the Brennan Center for Justice at NYU, there is no evidence that mail balloting increases electoral fraud. Several anti-fraud protections are built into the process designed to make it difficult to impersonate voters or steal ballots. These provisions include requiring people requesting absentee ballots to be registered voters, mailing a lot a lots to the official address uh, listed on voter registration rolls, requiring voter signatures on the external envelope, and having election authorities make sure the ballot came from the address. If the ballot appears questionable and the Fake ones almost always do. There's something off. You can tell. Uh, Like we said, these ballots are almost always handled by a Republican and a Democrat judge and uh, are are usually not left alone. Um, Voting machines are always locked up. Like it's there's a whole system of security around all of this that you see if you go and volunteer again, if you're worried about this stuff who when you go in to vote, guys, What's the general age of the people when you go in to vote? No, I would say about uh, probably in the 50s, 60s, around that time, a little, maybe a little older, depending on the the average, I guess. The most vulnerable to COVID. Yeah. (laughs) They're desperate for people to help. Um, So, Kim, uh, now in states that have held, had this mail-in voting, which has been been used since 2005, those running elections see no evidence of widespread fraud. Again, what we just heard in Colorado. Ken Wyman, the Washington Secretary of State, said that all methods of voting had the potential for fraud, but that her experience in Washington was that mail ballot fraud was low. Here's how Washington's system works and the types of fraud officials that they have encountered. Registration. Washington State checks to make sure the person is not already registered. In the state and verifies personal information such as the birth date, the social security number to confirm it is the real person. In 2007, a woman in Washington state successfully registered her dog to vote and received ballots in order to make a point about the system's risks. But in 2016, officials in King County, Washington said another person tried to register a dog to vote. The registration was not fully approved because the information did not match the records in state and federal databases. Here in Indiana, I used to get the voter file, and and so I got 6 million entries into a database. And in that were driver's license numbers, social security numbers, 
addresses, former addresses, how many primaries you may have voted in, what party you ballot you polled in that primary. And that that voter file is only available to three parties, three party officials. I was one of them. The executive directors of the Democrat and Republican Party were able to get those those files. And those are the only people other than election boards and the state election division. Now, you could sell those voter files to a, a company like Aristotle that will allow uh, candidates to go in and find like-minded voters. And they merge that data with magazine subscriptions. So if you get a random Trump mailer like I did, it's probably because you subscribe to something like National Review or you may have voted in a primary in the Republican Party in the past. And that's why you're getting that mail because they buy that voter data and and uh, compile all that information in. But just to let you know, that data is there and it's secure on the state level. What what happens when it goes to the hands of a party official? Nobody knows from there. Now, mailings. Uh, Julie Wise, the director of King County, again, said that in her experience, when someone steals a ballot from the mail, it is usually in the hope of finding some something else. Ballots in Washington state are tied to specific individuals with unique barcodes that record the path of the ballot. Voters can track to see when their ballots have been mailed and when the election office has received them back and whether or not they have been counted. So you can log on to your app or the website and see where your ballot is. A voter can monitor their ballot and call for a replacement and a, and a process that would rin, render invalid the original ballot that was, was sent. There's also fraudulent signatures that sometimes happen. Voters must sign the ballot to return the envelope. Workers at the election office are trained to examine signatures, checking to make sure the signature that comes in matches the one on file for the voter before sending the ballot along the line to be counted. A voter with a problematic signature will be contacted by the election office sometimes by phone, and asked to fill out an additional form to verify their identity. Again, Julie Wise in King County said her signature has been rejected on two occasions because it had changed over the years, and she was able to dissolve the... Even the director of the county election board has been rejected. Cameras. Unlike state, some states that depend on volunteers and polling places, Washington State uses professionals to distribute the ballots and then collect and analyze and count them in a central location. Cameras are, are, are in use in the facility on everyone, everywhere, on everything, and the public can tune in to watch. Political parties and campaigns can also monitor the process. Uh, with the exception of the public tuning in to watch, that is exactly how it works in Indiana as well. Cases of fraud after elections, Washington has partnered with other states in a joint data analysis that looked at whether any voter that cast a ballot in multiple states, so so you can't you can't cast a ballot, and there's systems to make sure that you can't cast a ballot in two different states. After the 2016 election, the system flagged 74 only 74 questionable votes in Washington State. 59 people who may have voted in multiple states, 14 who may have voted multiple times, and one deceased voter. These ballots were sent to the county election managers and prosecutors for further scrutiny. King County had the most cases. Officials there said in some cases they found data errors and the votes were legitimate. After scrutinizing cases, the King County did not see any significant fraud in 2016, but they sent letters to 10 people who have appeared to have voted twice. 
Current and former election administrators said it would be virtually impossible for a foreign country to produce and mail in phony absentee ballots without detection, an issue which William Barr, the attorney general, raised as a serious possibility. He said, we've been talking about how in terms of foreign influence, there are a number of foreign countries that could easily make counterfeit ballots, put names on them and send them in, and it'd be very hard to sort out what's happening. Judd Choate, unfortunate name, the election's chief in Colorado, where nearly all voters cast ballots by mail, said there is zero chance it could happen in his state. In Colorado, ballot envelopes feature tally marks that are unique to each voter. Voter signatures are matched to those on file. Bad actors would have to replicate those marks, create ballots and envelopes made of the same paper and with the same design as authentic ones, and accurately forge the signatures. States use a variety of safeguards to confirm the validity of mail ballots, and about half the state's ballot envelopes bear a tracking barcode or a tally mark that is unique to each voter. About 15 states require signatures to be matched against voter registration and ballots that are rejected if they're not sent in registration envelopes that vary widely from state to state in format, size, and paper stock. In states without those various safeguards, those trying to counterfeit ballots would have to know the names and addresses of registered voters, and there would still be a surge in forged ballots, duplicating ballots received from actual voters that would almost certainly raise red flags. Administrators have also noted that there is little chance that election officials would not detect a surge of duplicate ballots arriving from the same voter. There isn't an election office in this country that doesn't know how many ballots they've mailed out, how many they've gotten back in, and who they were sent to. It is absolutely not the case, and someone could create a multitude of ballots in the same way and fuse them or inject them into the system without in detection. Tammy Patrick, uh, Maricopa County, Arizona, uh, uh, official said now and a senior advisor for the democracy fund. So all of this is overwhelming information and how much verification and how much tracking goes into mail-in and absentee ballots and in-person voting to show how secure all of this is. Did you guys know any of this? <clears throat> I did not. I mean, I didn't. I knew that there was a lot of stuff in place to protect that, but I just kind of uh, never never knew about the entire details until we started, you know, doing this research and searching into the show notes. Right. Yeah. Diving in, uh, it, it was more of a they had to be something there. Um, you just didn't know, like, because they have to be checks and balances. Sure. If it wasn't, then yeah, yeah, fraud would be rampant. I think the only experience a lot of people have had with this is watching the recount in 2000. Correct. And it was such a chaotic cluster. I, I think a lot of people have, you know, have come away with maybe a false impression of what really goes on because that was way, way elevated in the, uh, in, in, in the amount of just bullshit. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was um, in, what's the I'm looking, missing the word like it was just it was ramped up the news like yeah. made it the news of the day like oh look at this is like because if it wasn't it was like a small county they're like hey, that's happening over there we don't know yet if you've but, never seen a documentary on the 2000 recount absolutely do it like the Brooks Brothers riot and and like you know you see John Bolton and all these people who are in positions of power now like fooling with the vote in 2000 to win you know the Democrats were doing it too I mean it was just it was it was absolute madness it's a 
fascinating moment in American history. If you if you're too young to really remember or or didn't pay attention to what was going on, find a documentary on it and watch it. But I think we're a lot better now than we were. I you know remember a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, they were ballot box stuffing and doing all kinds of crazy things then. So um, I feel like we're a lot better along in that regards. And mail-in voting has been going on for a hundred years. I mean, or over a hundred years. Since right? the I Civil mean, War. Civil, you know, I thought it was a Civil War or a Revolutionary or civil. Uh, World War One or something. But yeah, it's uh, it's just, to me, it's, I think these people take this job very seriously as far as securing the vote and making sure that the vote is monitored and tracked and you got to remember as much as tracking as um our government can do and does do mm-hmm. on all of us you think they just this one's just going to be uh well eh, let's not let's not do that you know they're going to track it too so um, I, I find that very odd that they're just going to uh you know take a hands-off approach on voting that's <laughs> when it's their power i mean that's that's the basis of their power right mm-hmm. and so, they'll People on the left and people on the right are not just going to let the other side do those things because they're going to catch them. What what the, what politicians understand is that people, for for the sake of legitimacy, need to know that their vote counts. And this is run by bureaucrats of both parties. And so this is an example where balance in the system protects the average citizen and, and produces a, a good outcome. So because you have Republicans watching Democrats and vice versa and independents and then libertarians and everybody's, everybody's focused on this decentralized system and, and there's balance in it, it works. Right. And so, but, and the public is watching and that's the biggest reason is the majority of the public cares about this and watches this and it gets done right and effectively where voter fraud takes place is gerrymandering, redrawing of districts in bad ways, ballot access laws, straight ticket voting, and the incumbent protection system that has basically been written into laws because the public does not pay attention to their legislature. They do not pay attention to what's happening uh, when maps are being drawn every 10 years. They do not pay attention to uh, the, the fights around removing straight ticket voting. That's where the system is rigged. Did you hear about the chuckleheads that um, finally got indicted when they were doing robocalls in Michigan, in Detroit? Oh, yeah, Jacob Wool. Yeah, Wool is, I mean, (laughs) we're waiting for him to do a big boy crimes, but he's still still working at it. But he did get actual indictment. I think people were surprised that he finally, finally crossed to that level of success to get there, but... You could hear the some of the. I, I heard somebody play the robocall that was sent out, and it's just it's just insane what they were saying. They were like, you know, that if you, uh, you know, you do this mail in voting, then the government will use that information to track you down for outstanding warrants and give it to credit card companies so they can find you and get your, you know, so you so you can uh, pay your debts. And um, it, it was just insane what they were saying to these people and. Um, you know, they, they got caught. I mean, everybody tries this stuff is going to get caught. So I don't know why people would think that they would even bother with it. Yeah. Non-Facebook user says, regardless of the systems, the candidates themselves have been undermining the confidence and the validity of the vote. And that's really why we're doing this show is because the information of what I have seen and experienced and know is so wildly different than what I see from Facebook friends and from the president. And so because I know the president is propagandizing and just 
BSing because he he wants to when he when and if he loses, and I expect him to lose based on Senate polling and, and district polling, like New York twenty eight, he won by by sixteen, he's losing by one now in upstate New York. Uh, you know, little little signs like that. Like he wants to blame others for his loss. And so it couldn't possibly be that he couldn't control himself and behave. It's that the vote was rigged. And there's a significant significant portion of people who are anti-government who will buy that because they don't trust the government at all. Mm -hmm. Good good move. Totally for it. But also read and be informed and when and so the difference between the the gap in civics education reinhold i think is one of the more dangerous things is because people don't understand how their government actually works and they form opinions based on the word of a politician who is manipulating them for power and as opposed to actually looking into what's going on they're they're letting themselves be manipulated because they want that to be the truth. Right. You know, and that's the real key is that people who are supporting Donald Trump want him to win. And when he says the only way they can beat us is if they lie and manipulate the vote, which they're trying to do. Well, that fe- they believe that because that plays into their bias of what right. they think is going to happen. So that's how people get manipulated because they don't go, Hey, wait a minute. Is that true or not? And go look up the facts or, and, you know, they don't dive any deeper into that because it just it hits the button in their head, hits the serotonin. They burn it in as a fact and they move on. And I see that so many times where people will say things that are just completely not true. You can verify. I can go and search and find the facts and verify it seven ways a Sunday, but they still won't believe it because in their mind, they've it's a belief at this point. It's a it's almost like a religious belief system. When it when it hits at that level, right, right, um, and you can't you can't wedge it out of there once once it's lodged in like that. It takes a lot to knock it out. So Wes writes, "What will happen when we are unclear of a winner and counting votes for weeks into November, maybe longer?" And uh, I sent a note to Wes and I said, "I'm sorry, I'm not mad at you. I'm frustrated by because I'm not understood." And he's like, "I get it." Um, so what will happen if we don't know a winner? What will happen is that this propagate. He's laying the groundwork before a vote was even cast. He said the mail-in vote. There's all this fraud around it. Well, the problem with that is that's not that's never been true, and everybody who knows what they're talking about has been frustrated because they know what he's doing. And so the best antidote is for people to understand what we just shared with you is how secure this stuff really is. So please. Pay attention, and then you have to ask yourself on this. Once you understand it, is why is this person man- lying? Why is Bill Barr lying? What's their end goal? What are they doing it for? And should I trust them? So, all right. Well, let's wrap up, Reinhold. Final thoughts for the show. Harry had to drop off. Um. So I have I have some final thoughts, but they're not related to anything we've talked about today. But um, I just wanted to say my dad has gone into surgery and um, he's coming out. It looks like he's going to do okay, but I still worry about him. But I just wanted to, uh, you know, kind of mention a little bit about how much of an impact he was to me in my life. And I know that I'm not going to be able to do that with a child of my own because of the situation I'm in. Um, And a lot of people don't have that that I had with him. And 
I really encourage people, and I've said this before, is to get out and, and be the example that you want to to exist for people, for for, uh, for the society, for community. Uh, you focus on your family, make sure they're taken care of, but also try to be that shining light that somebody who doesn't have that in their lives can go to and, and uh, become a better person because of it. So, Great. Well, I hope I hope he's doing okay, and I hope that uh, he he gets better. I appreciate it. Uh, so it's just kind of I hate to take it off the rails in that in that area, but I just something I wanted to say and get out there. So, oh, that's okay. Uh, Harry, final thoughts for you. Um, when you go to in- update your intrusion detection system <laughs> to verify your rules, because for some reason my IDS keeps thinking I'm under a DDoS and keeps requesting a, a IP address from um, my uh, from the ISP, or I could actually be in DDoS. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh my! <laughs> the um, my final thoughts about this episode is the um, when to me, like I said, voter fraud doesn't happen while you're voting something like that voter fraud happens beforehand always happens beforehand you're polling data you're not actively knowing who's on your ballot that to me that's always been the voter fraud can the vote be more secure definitely can be but you know it's 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 fine and what we've got can it get better heck yeah but the, the, the real fraud is that you're not being told who's actually on your ballot and they so yeah i've heard that uh what straight vote straight Ticket voting is what, um, legal voter fraud, pretty much. <laughs> well, hopefully you you have had your mind changed. And uh, again, the PDF of our show notes, so oftentimes it's hard to get people to listen to. We, we put timestamps into these shows so you can skip right to that, or we put all the segments up as individual YouTube uh, pieces. So like that voter fraud will just be that piece up on the YouTube So and, and segment it out. And then there's also the show notes. So there's tons of ways to share all this information with your friends on on voter fraud. So uh, my final thought is thanking our patrons. I'm sorry I did not do this earlier. Thank you to all of our patrons, but especially our $100 a month contributors, Reinhold, uh, Brad Tracy, Anthony Meyer, Matthew Durbin, Jeff Bennett, Christy Avery, Jason Doolittle, and Ed Brehob. And my apologies to Casey Felposh for uh, mangling his name so badly. Uh, But I appreciate his contributions, and thank you for updating me, uh, Casey. All right, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we appreciate you uh, paying attention and uh, patronizing this program as both a listener and as a donor. Please share it. We will see you again next week.